You're listening to Future Theater Radio with Bill and Nancy Burns right here on the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN Radio. Word. Hi, everybody. We are your co-hosts, Bill, that's me, and Nancy. Uh... Burns. That's that Sai was Burns, and we're bringing you Future Wait, Theater you, Live you... from the banks of Primrose Creek in beautiful downtown Solberry Village, Pennsylvania, on the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN oh, Radio with our wonderful producer, the Jackal, Angela Spino. Say hello, Jackal. Hello, Jackal. And Radioland. So, our guest And tonight, Bill and Nancy Burns. Oh, thank you, sir. And our guest tonight <laughs> is um, the very the very erudite James Swagger. I didn't know he was a uh, woman into women. What? I don't know he was a woman that was into women. What are you talking about? Just, erudite? Just, erudite. Ah, uh, well, no, you're thinking of um, hermaphrodite or something. Oh, that's probably erudite. Yeah. So, erudite. Well, okay, so he's not. Okay, good. It means scholarly. Yeah, okay, he's, he's a rascal. He, this one, he's a, he's, a he's a man's man. He's like he's an dropkick Murphy. He's not. He's yes. very, very tiny and very delicate. No, he's like a MacGyver type. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's yeah, but so he's also Murphy. physically an Irish MacGyver. He is. Now, but why do you say that? See, because he doesn't look like that in his pictures. Based right? your judgment on his looks, do you? His pictures. That's uh, not the okay. Jedi way, Nancy Burns. Well, but here's but 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 that would hold true. I would agree with you, except that James Swagger has shown photos of himself on YouTube upside down. He's he puts himself upside yeah. down. He's a MacGyver he's, type. That's what I'm saying. No, no, no. But he talks. He puts he's him badass. Okay, but he's also a very thin ass. Okay, so? he's very. He's got a very, you know. He's he's a very tiny looking person. He looks like he could slide between bricks. Okay, and Bruce uh, Lee was a tiny, thin person. I rest uh, my case. Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee. I rest Bruce Lee. my case. Thank you very much. Bruce I'm done. Lee. I'll be here Bruce all week. Thank Lee. you. This yeah. guy, talk about getting screwed in this <gasps> life. This show. This Bruce show. Lee, Bruce Lee got so screwed. I mean, what they did to that kid, I got to tell you, they promised him a television series. He basically created, yeah, he created yep. the television series. He he actually did everything you possibly could, and yep. then they said to him, "Well, they don't want an Asian guy in it." Mm, yep, yep. Really? You know what the ironic yeah. part about that whole thing is, Bill? Wow. Yeah, his what? son Brandon Lee actually was in a, a couple episodes or in an episode. I know, of Kung I know, Fu. I know. It, it's incredible, <laughs> and 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 I'll tell you, um, uh, rest in what's peace, his face? David Carradine. I love the episodes where David Carradine's father, mm. John Carradine was mm. in some of those episodes. I mean, John yep. Carradine from the 1930s monster movies, Abbott and Costello meet Dracula, things like that. That was John. He did a role in Murders in the Rue Morgue. It would have to be, what, 1934, 1935. I have to tell you, this guy was such a tragic figure. I mean, I really like, and of course, his his great role in the movies, this is, this is John Carradine. He was the preacher in Grapes of Wrath. Nice. I remember okay. That. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wonderful and of character. course, the, the, oh, his yeah. son is the man who was found with fishnets stocking. See, right. yeah, well, did you have to go there, Nancy? We're trying to be yeah. all nice yeah. about, you know, the guy's legacy. You know? yeah. And of course, Keith Carradine <laughs> did this wonderful role in the movie Nashville. And Keith Carradine also, he was a wonderful singer in Nashville. But, but guess who Car- he was paired with in Nashville, which brings us to what I want to talk about. Okay. He, who was his romantic interest in Nashville? Do you remember? No. And I that don't. wonderful song was, was debuted. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, folks I'm who, easy. Yeah, I'm easy. No, no, no. First time ever I saw your face. Oh, His is that face. in Nashville? Really? Yeah. Yeah, because uh, this woman had a crush on him. He was a singer coming through. Remember? Mm-hmm. Right. I do remember. But guess who it was? Guess who the lady was? All and it's like kind it. of why you don't remember. I'm telling you. It wasn't. Uh, del- it was Lily Tomlin. Lily Tomlin. Okay. Uh huh. And yeah. she's now in a new series. And and speaking of unfair, uh, and people getting screwed, she and Jane Fonda are starring in a new series on Netflix. Netflix is really doing fabulous work. It's called and Grace and Frankie. It's called Grace and Frankie. That's the important part. It's called Grace and Frankie, and it's starring these two older women. They're older than I am. And they are both in their 70s. Jane Fonda is 77 and Lily Tomlin is 75. And they just found out that they're getting paid the exact same as their uh, male co-stars. Okay. Okay. And the point is, it's their show. Their name is in the title. I'm just telling you. Three Uh, words. Three words. (sighs) Burn these into your mind. Most Uh favored nations. What does all that mean? Four, what does that means mean? All, uh, okay, a most favored nation deal means that the talent, if a producer offers a most favored nations, it means that all the talent, usually the top talent, get paid the same. And so if they're all getting the same uh, re, uh, remuneration, it means that they were offered a most favored nations deal by the production entity, by Marta well, Kaufman. Certainly, uh, certainly Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda would know that, right? Of course they would. They've been in show business their entire lives. Well, then that leads me to believe that the person writing the article in Salon, and Salon is slipping fast, the person uh, might have been lying. Because uh, that the statement was that... Ah, uh, but what you don't know mm-hmm. is who's getting executive producer fees and who's getting producer fees. Well, executive producers on the, on the TV, it says Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin. Well, then they're getting executive producer fees. Well, whatever. But anyway, tonight so they we have offer ta- we, talent yeah. fees of most favored nations, and then on top of that, they would get executive producer fees. Well, what are we paying Jimmy Swagger to come on tonight? Speaking of talent fees, I was getting I was getting a double fee. Some for you. Irish whiskey. Some Irish whiskey. Yeah. So Jimmy Swagger is Irish. Now here's the thing: we have not said hello to Keith, who is letting us broadcast here on the dark matter i say i said hi to keith I said did you hi say to hi to keith yeah, yeah yeah i was busy okay did you hear i don't know my where you were but i said hi. well I'll t- let me tell you where i, I said was. hi keith did How's you going, hear keith? did you hear my computer voice thing trying to work nope see that's why okay. that's what happened you weren't paying attention to the show you were paying yeah. attention to your computer voice okay tell you me if it. you hear this tell me if you hear this did it go out over the airwaves? No, no. dead air batteries. No. Oh, that's why I wasn't getting any response. So it stays in my on my computer. Okay, I've got a lot to learn about broadcasting. You oh, should no, do. No kidding. <laughs> you do. There's okay. a lot of people out there, Nancy, that are going, yeah, Nancy, yeah. But I'm learning it. Look, I'm learning Some of them are on YouTube, by the way, I'm just saying. 
I'm learning it, and here's what I'm doing. I'm learning how to make my bumper thing because I don't know whether my daughter's going to come through. Okay, my daughter's wife. I might as well just you know give credit where credit is due. She was going to make me a little thirty second thing, but I'm playing around with. I have so um, many jokes. I'm not saying you yeah, realize how good thing. I'm being. You have here's no idea how good I'm being. Uh, you're holding it in, huh, Bill? I am holding it in. I am telling you. I am like a balloon ready to burst. Well, this is a very multifaceted show. Hold and, it in, River. Uh, Hold it in. It, it, it cooks on many levels. This is the kind of show I hope um, I can put on every night of the week. And I promised myself I wasn't going to talk about this because, okay, here's the thing, Angel. I need your advice. I was going to and ask yes, you after the show. But okay. this is an op- my heart is an open book. I need your advice. Yes, it um, is. If Art Bell produces or, or creates a show to follow him that is something that we all love you me everybody wouldn't i be you know wouldn't i be um a good camper to kind of lay back and not try to compete well as a pot smoker my whole life nobody likes a good camper what's that mean what does that mean a good camper in pot world just people out there listening know exactly what I mean. But here's the thing, Nancy. No, Burns. no, no, no. Tell me what it means. <laughs> a person who holds on to the, uh, you know. Really? Yeah, you don't say Bogart that? You don't say Bogart that? That's another like? term for it, you know, camper. Yeah, okay. Bogart. So, see, you know what I'm so talking what about. So what is the camper? What is, where did that come from, do you think? He's camping on the pot. <laughs> yes. You mean like you're like you're guarding the fire? Like Barack something? Obama is the interceptor in chief who campers on who camps on the pot. Exactly. Wow. Who doesn't said, agree with want you. to repeal the Anslinger Acts so people are going to jail for like two and three joints in their pocket? Unbelievable. Crazy. Well, he might. He might because today, today in yeah, Camden, definitely. which is not oh, too far God, from us. Camden, New Jersey. So who cares? Camden, yeah. New Jersey. So he's just not giving them military equipment. No, no, no. But he's also, he's also saying in no uncertain terms, I, the president, the White House, the government, the the fr- the the bully pulpit. The people. I don't like. No, just the bully pulpit, not the people. Okay. I don't like this militarization, and it's important that he says it that way. That's called the bully pulpit. I'd pulpit. like to see him say, "I don't like asset forfeiture, and I don't like these draconian." He will. Um, he will. That's why, that's laws, why the Anslinger Acts, because they would. Never it's mind. the Anslinger Acts were only passed to give out. Harry Anslinger or Henry Anslinger a job because we ended because we repealed the Volstead Act. That's it. It had nothing to do with marijuana. It, At all. He was he was Anslinger yep. was um, well, now, a son in law of the Mellon family and they mm-hmm. had to give this guy a job. Mm-hmm. That was it. Well, now people are beginning to realize there are so many proven medicinal benefits to this that more and more people who look at their future getting older, perhaps needing um, some quick, uh, whatever marijuana does, you know, whatever, uh, you know, we all know about the epilepsy. relief. Pain relief. That's one of the main reasons why, you know, a lot of Americans smoke pot because, look, a lot of Americans have pains and aches and it's a good alternative form of getting pain relief than the standardized drugs that they give you that the country wants you to take. Right. Right. And there's no hangover. You know, I, I rather I rather take something that grew from the earth than something that they grew in the laboratory. And with I'll mixed tell you chemicals. Some, Sorry, I, this is the way I am. No, I I absolutely agree with you. I mean, that, that's the truth. And in fact, the United States government has a patent on marijuana as a. Oh yeah, they've had they it for years. They have a patent too. on it. They've yeah. had it for yeah. years. So the idea 
that there's no medical benefit to marijuana, which is why it's a tier one drug, is an absolute lie. Right. It's a total lie. Right. Because if it has no medical use, why does the government have a patent on it for medical purposes? Well, uh, we were watching the finale of uh, Mad Men last night. I was wondering when you'd get to that. <laughs> and the, the com- some of the commercials, um, okay, the co- some of the commercials are so spacey that you think to yourself, th- maybe it's not such a great idea to make this stuff legal. And one of the commercials was for a uh, game, okay? Now, you don't know it's for a game because you'd, it could be a movie. Uh, because it's the production value is so high, and this is called Clash of Clans. Clash Good of choice clans. of words, by the way. It's so high. Huh? It is, but I'm t- th- Good choice of words. Called- I'm saying. Good yeah. Words. <laughs> well, this is this is called Clash of Clans, I believe, and it's um, a bunch of guys uh-huh. are are uh, play. You know, they all have to come riding in on uh, boars with uh, tusks out, pink pink boars. That look like pigs with tusks, so they don't really look like boars. It sounds like a horror movie. A boar is a boar is a pig with a tusk. Yes, I know, but usually boars are shown as dark brown animals. You know, sort of more like um, Lord of the Rings type creatures. And these are cute little cuddly pigs with tusks, and they're like companions. They're companion boars. Anyway, you have to be if you're high watching these commercials. What must you think? Nancy, you I know, suggest you get high and watch the commercials, and don't. Well, when it's legal, I'm the fir- I'm going to be first in line. I'm telling you. Just go to go go over to Canada or go to, yeah. to Denver. Well, if I go to visit you know, my daughter and she's asking, take a trip. Okay, my my daughter is in Oregon. She lives in Oregon, but she lives right close to the Washington border, so they can go across the border and get whatever they want. And when they Lucky. bring it back, I know. And so she said that the. Retail stores. I'm putting a sweater on. If that's what I hope it's not making noise. Um, oh, but it is. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Is it really? Yeah. I yeah. Okay. Thank I have you. radio. You know. Yeah. Okay. And the thing is, I also thought my computer talking voice. I was I was typing into the terminal. I thought I was answering and saying hello and stuff. So I screwed that up. So I'm also screwing Completely. up with the sweater. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> that's the thing. There's such. There's so much to learn. And I really. Okay. Here's my. Here's my bottom line on this. I think there has to be a talk show directly after Art Bell's show. I really do. I think it has well, to be. Well, there will be, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure there no, will be. No, I don't think the show that they're going to Before it and okay. after it. And Listen, Keith. Maybe is in between. Is, we're the ones before. Okay, Angel. That's true, yeah. Angel, are. you're not sworn to secrecy. And do you know who might be in I that I know story? nothing, Nancy Burns. Okay. Nothing at all. And Keith won't tell. So I'm going to By the way, to, Keith oh. says hello to everybody. Good. In chat. He said hi to me. Really? Yeah, he said hi. Hi back. Is he physically in chat? Well, no, no, he's in Skype chat. Okay, okay. So here's the thing: Keith won't tell, and if it's someone I love, I'm not going to want to hurt their feelings by stepping on their toes. So I'm telling you this: if it's someone I love and feel I have to listen to two more hours, I don't know what I'm going to do because we're going to want to talk about art. You know, um, that's kind of my problem. Situation. I love Art Bell, and mm-hmm. don't get me wrong; I'm as excited as anybody out there to have him return but I'm pretty sure we could find other things to also talk about than just Art Bell well I don't think so I think once um, in the very beginning I don't think so and I'll tell you why Um, there is a very large Bill 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 knows knows that if I want to do something I'll do it and I will not do it if I feel it's wrong or if I'm stepping on toes oh yeah I completely understand that but I'm telling you four up Four episodes in, when it's four in the morning, you're going to be like, this is such a bad idea. No, I don't <laughs> think so. You know, every, I'll tell you why I don't think so. Every night I'm already up. 
And I really wish, no offense, no offense to you, Angel, you've got only a couple shows on the network. I only have so many favorites. I am so miserable not having somebody to listen to every night. So I, I always listen to Dark Matter first. That's the way I kind of try to find new stars. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and if some, But I don't really like shows that are not live. I'm really a fan of live shows. And so, um, so and really, since you can't find that void, you want to fill it yourself. Yeah. But now here's the thing. Gotcha. Uh, our guest tonight has one of the very best shows on the network. Uh, he brings Capricorn the radio. swagger to radio. Yeah. He really does. I mean, we joke. that swag. We joke. And he is a fast-talking, crazy man. But, boy, does he bring the Well, he's good. definitely fast-talking and crazy. You know, you, yeah, you and I actually that. understand yeah. that he was, you know, he's actually been dissed on some of the other network shows, with whom we won't name, which kind of just adds to his allure. I'll, I'll, I'll put this out there right now. Anybody who makes enemies with James Swagger is making enemies with me. I think that means a lot, but enemies with me, baby. That's my, that's my dog. That's my yeah. boy. But, I mean, he, he walks the walk upside down sometimes, talks yes, the does. talk, so forth and so that. on. And, um, you know, his show would be – but his show is not live. Um, whereas our guest this from is last true. week – Our yeah. guest from last week, uh, Mr. Bateman, Dark City, that show is live. And it's very, very good. La- last week it was live also. And so, I mean, we made you a know, lot of... somebody's going to be listening in later, and they're going to be like, who's this Mr. Bateman guy on Dark City? Yeah, and they're not going to find Steve the Steve Warner, Steve Warner. His Steve real Warner. name. Thank you very much. The real deal, Steve yes. Warner. Uh, but Bateman is kind of sticks to him because Bateman always allowed that... When I say that, I get to then mention Belgab because Belgab, um, as of today, let's just say, has been up all week. Nobody's hacked it. It's a, becoming a very popular place. Belgab.com. Go there. Join. Uh, Art Bell talked today about how well things are going and how get ready. He he's he needs people to put the word out that he's got a new show. And so Bell Gab is where the the people are fomenting around trying to come up with names for themselves. You know, um, are they going to call uh, Bell Hounds? Is kind of one of the higher ranking potential names. You know. But calling yourself a name is kind of stupid, too. Bellhound. Bellhound. You know, release That's the hound. That's a very devilish name, yeah. Bellhound. It like is. It. I like it. it. But anyway, so that... So, but know. here's another thing, Nancy. Uh, Art Bell's going to be on every night of the week. Mm-hmm. Are you going to do your show every night of the week That's if they allow plan. you yeah. to do the show? I mean, really? the thing is, okay... Can you commit to five nights plus future theater? Yes. Yes. Thrillingly. And I'll tell you why. Oh I don't have to. Oh no, offense to no offense to James Swagger. No offense oh to every boy. wonderful guest we've ever had. This is a tough I, one. I will not be having a guest. I will only be having call-ins. I have Lasha. Lasha has, has agreed to help. She's going to do it. She's going to co-host with me. And if Lasha decides she can't do it for a night or so, I will get someone else to co-host with me because I can call upon five women off the top of my head. And Nancy I Burns, this is a nightmare just waiting to happen. I'm well, it right now. yeah, you could be right. But on the other hand, <laughs> and, and believe me, I will take the, the turn off uh, and not, and I'll let you know immediately. But right now, it's just everything's falling into place, except it's very hard to learn how <laughs> to do what you do. Making bumpers where I'm learning how to make the one soft and the one light louder. And they flow right. into each Cross, other. You mean crossfade? Crossfade like and put it in stereo. Yeah, it's a good yeah. thing yeah. to do. But it's, you know, it's a learning process. Recording in stereo is great. Uh, and it occurred to, to me, if, it occurred to me, if I ever, ever want to get picked up on the Dark Matter Network, I better not have copyright material in my bumper, right? Right. 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 Which brings us back 
to um, I was look I was listening to old uh, jingles from the sixties and seventies. They're oh, on boy. the Internet Archive. They're copyright free. Right. I think I'm not positive, but nonetheless, brings up our you know spoiler alert for Mad Men. The end of Mad Men. There's no spoiler alert. It's over. Oh wow! Back to Mad Men. That was a long. It's over. Way around. No, 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 no. See, if you were a fan, Angel, you'd know the minute I said. Uh, jingles from the 50s and 60s. In There's other no words, spoiler alert because it was already in the papers today. In yeah, fact, no, I tr- no. I tried to comment on Washington on the Washington Post because oh, nobody understood. Really? Yeah, nobody understood the ending. Wait, wait, wait. Do you have an account at the Washington Post? Yeah, or I you- do. Really? Yeah, I do. And you were going to comment? I was going to comment because uh, you've because never in your life commented. I comment on the New York Times all the time. You do not. I do so. No, I don't write. I'll bet. I'll show you sometime. Uh, Bill is very much uh, has always scorned social media. All social I media. Mm-hmm. I scorn it. I <laughs> scorn it with the scorn of hatred. But mm. sometimes you'll see something on the Washington Post because they have a, a very active comment section, and like today. Well, duh. I mean, everybody was talking about the end of Mad Men, and. But nobody got the intricacy of how Matthew Weiner wrote the entire show backwards. Oh, it was there's not, that's not that's not in that's not intricate. That's it's a intricate. gimmick. That is not of course intricate. It's a gimmick with Harold Pinter. But of course, it's a gimmick. It's not intricate. It's, it is intricate. It's nothing. OK. Anybody listening who's a student from a, from 10 years up, 10 years old kid, all the way up to a 100 year old person. Figure out the ending first. Right. So much easier. Exactly. You figure out the ending first. That's it's what not I intricate. But the, well, no, the intricacy was that literally once he knew, I mean, here's a whole show, seven years of episodes, the point of which is to explain how that <laughs> Coca-Cola commercial got written. That was the point now of let's, the whole let's, thing. Let's do a test. Angel, you don't know Mad Men. Um, do nope. you know the, the Coca-Cola commercial of which we speak? Negative. Okay, I'd I like have to it. to teach the world to sing in okay. perfect harmony. I mean, if I hear it, I'm pretty sure I'd recognize it. Okay, I mean, when was this commercial from? The 50s? No. 71, 1971. Yeah. Okay. It was the greatest commercial of the 1970s. Angel, Angel, if I give it to you in Skype, uh, can you play it during the at the break, or yeah, play it for yourself? Okay, so I'll do it. Right that now. might be copywritten. No, it's not. Well, See, yes, it's it not. is. Under yes, it thirty is. seconds. Okay, I'll, 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 if you send it to me right now, I, I might have time to download it and maybe play twenty seconds of it. So we're we're good. We got to make it quick. Uh oh, I think we lost the burns. Let's I'm do this. Right uh, yeah, there you go. Your I'm internet's right back. Here. Nancy, are you there? For some reason, my my um, microphone is not working. No, no, your internet went down for like a second there. You're, yours in, Nancy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Listen to Nancy's this. Let's go to commercial break. Until you... to restart. Yeah, let's go to commercial break while uh, Lee Burns is here. I'll get their internet sorted out. Huh? How's that? Good idea? For the first time, I'm going to take us to break. We'll be right back on Future Theater. Now, this is not copywritten music right here. This is Space Boy. We'll be right back with a little swagger.
for phenomenon either we like it or not is already very much part of our reality. I've been on panels with uh, military people who, you know, claim that they've seen the aliens buzzing our missile silos. They have very large eyes, and you know, I found their stare extremely difficult to bear. This is Martin Willis, the host of Podcast UFO, and we are here on the Dark Matter Radio Network every Wednesday from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It is my commitment to bring you an entertaining weekly show that takes a hard look at the UFO phenomena. Are they extraterrestrial? Well, are they interdimensional? Are they time travelers or something we have not even thought of yet? We explore these questions with interesting guests and witnesses from all around the globe. In addition, we bring you weekly UFO news with Open Minds TV, Alejandro Rojas. Thank you for listening, and remember, keep your eyes to the sky. Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions. Providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology. Preventative maintenance and networking support. Hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954-973-3374. That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. This is James Swagger, host of Capricorn Radio. I'm also an author, engineer, and researcher. Capricorn Radio covers alternative history, alternative science, philosophy, and truth oriented discussions. We are proud to be on the Dark Matter Radio Network live at 8 p.m. Saturdays, Eastern Standard Time. You can catch extra info on darkmatterradio.net, jameswagger.com for yours truly, and capricornmembers.com for the archives. Don't forget, truth is not democratic, truth is truth. Tired of being lied to by the government when it comes to aircrafts that are flying over the skies. Let's explore the mysteries together. Tune in every Tuesday night at 10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 1 a.m. Eastern. When Project Moondust was first exposed, the Air Force explanation to a United States Senator was that uh, we never had a project named, named Moondust. Behind the tree was this gigantic, huge glass dome. Skywatchers Radio. Here's a riddle for you. What do the California gold rush of the 1850s, secret societies, coded messages, mysterious 19th century flying machines, and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A.A. Delshaw all have in common? The Secrets of Delshaw by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro. Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more. Hello, my name is Howard Hughes, and I'm in London. And I've been proud to bear this name all my life. Over here in the UK, I'm known as a broadcast journalist. I've been involved in some of the big stories of our time. The fall of the Berlin Wall. The death of Princess Diana. I told London about that. 
And on the first and second anniversaries of 9-11, I was there at Ground Zero, speaking to the people who were directly involved and those experiences I will never forget. So news is my thing. But my great love is my show, the one that I produce, The Unexplained. Over the years on this show, I've spoken to people like the late Al Bielik from the Philadelphia Experiment, Edgar Mitchell, the amazing Apollo astronaut, Dr. Stephen Greer, David Icke, and Uri Geller. People like Richard C. Hoagland have become personal friends over the years. I met him in London. So you can see that these sort of topics are what I like to discuss. Please join me on my show from London, The Unexplained, Monday nights on the Dark Matter Network. Hello, I'm Bruce Pearson, documentary producer, investigator, and co-host of Unknown Origins Radio, which airs each Thursday evening from 8 till 10 p.m. Eastern Time right here on the Dark Matter Radio Network. Please join me and my colleague Mark Johnson for two hours of thought-provoking interviews discussing some of today's most intriguing subjects with researchers, authors, and eyewitnesses on a range of topics. So whether you're a newcomer to the community of exploration of the unexplained or a seasoned veteran and investigator, I'm sure you will find interesting content and concepts on Unknown Origins Radio right here on the Dark Matter Radio Network. And I encourage you to check out the entire lineup of unique programming here on the network. There's truly something for everyone. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to sharing our fascinating guests and their topics on Unknown Origins Radio, Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern here on the Dark Matter Radio Network. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction. Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Hi, we are back with our guest, James Swagger, the fabulous James Swagger, who, who travels all over the world talking about ancient mysteries. So, James, thanks for joining us tonight. Dr. Bill Burns, great to hear your voice again. Great to be back on the show and, and to be here for all the listeners. Um, I know you're working very hard. You've got two books. You're working on two books. You're working on documentary films. I know that. So, okay, tell it. Okay, so here's what we'll do. Let's uh, let's set these up right away. So, tell us what your books are and tell us what your documentaries are. 
Sure. Yeah. Well, it, the funny thing is, I, I just I'm exploring this knowledge. It's, I, I'm on a megalithic crusade, if you want, Bill. And I started this journey, and I just I, I seen information that wasn't properly documented, and I saw, I thought I would correct it naively. And in the end, I'm produ- producing a wealth of knowledge that I'm glad I am doing it, Bill. I really, really am. I just find a new way that I'm going to have to go in is megalithic documentary because. Um, and I just published a, a book on that, uh, Megalithic Odyssey, which is the, the accompanying book. And it's basically like an encyclopedia of megaliths. Only difference is um, the Megalithic Odyssey book is basically encompassing all the alternative knowledge as opposed to archaeological data. So it's like a, an encyclopedia of alternative knowledge. And we're talking uh, ancient acoustics that's embedded in these megalithic monuments. We're talking ancient astronomy and uh, the shamanism, the practices and just about other every radical alternative theory out there, um, there's stuff there. There's information has come up recently uh, where they have trepanation of skulls at Stonehenge um, uh, to a, to such a high quantity that it looked like Stonehenge was a medical center. There where, was did just they so find, ma- where did they find the skulls? Because when we were there, uh, we, we found the ley lines and we did some dowsing, but where did they find the skulls? True. Actually, you would have you were with Maria Wheatley there for yeah, uh, it was yeah, that's a, that's right. So where for did the, they find the skulls at Stonehenge? You'd have to ask Maria about that. Um, I think they've they've studied some other skulls that they've already had. Um, she's wrote a paper on that recently. Um, she'd be more actually. It's, that's how I know the information through Maria. Uh, incredibly fascinating, and uh, Maria will be coming on the documentary with me as well. Oh, great. See, yeah. I know that when you're. In the circle at Stonehenge, and mm. you look, well, now there's a road there, obviously, and there's a military base nearby. But if you look over that road, oh, what yeah. you see are the Barrow people. I mean, are the Barrows from the Barrow burial grounds from the Barrow folk mm-hmm. who buried their dead there. And these mm. are before the Druids. And this, this yeah. goes back earlier. Yeah. Oh, well, you got to look at the landscape of, uh, let's, let's focus on Stonehenge and a good way to bring this in. Uh, this was a megalithic complex on a scale of probably, and what you have is megalithic complexes dotted around the whole of Europe. So the, the, the Wiltshire Downs or Stonehenge, Avebury, uh, West Kennet, Longborough, the boroughs beside Stonehenge, this whole thing was like a 50 mile radius of megalithic activity from henges, dolmens, stone circles barrows where they bury their dead and it still annoys me today bill that people concentrate on the burial function because we always deal with the stones and the bones and these were megalithic temples they were megalithic universities there was a body and a system of knowledge encoded into these and this is why i'm doing this documentary because I've, the, the research is piling up so fast bill I, I couldn't write it up quick enough and and there is you know i've got to be clever there is other ways to present um, information other than uh, other than just writing books, and it's it, I just couldn't write the amount of research that I have. I, the best way to present it is, and it's really interesting. Sometimes it, it's hard to categorize it into a book, media and film much better, you know. So oh yeah, no, I would love. I'll tell you what I would love to see in a documentary. I would love to see. This would be my dream. I would love to, not that I can do this, but I would love to see this. I would love to see somebody to um, working from, like, figure something like Gobekli Tempe or something like that, mm. or somebody working from the architecture and the archaeology and the geology of a site mm-hmm. and kind of reverse extrapolate, if that makes mm. sense, reverse extrapolate what that society was that, 
constructed that megalithic that uh, um, that site, that megalithic site, and even to figure out why. I just had two Canadian filmmakers with me here in Ireland doing some stuff. Uh, we're hooking up for a big tour next year in March, uh, and maybe a second one as well. But um, they asked me something, a, a very pertinent question, Bill, and they just couldn't get it. The very thing that you just asked me, Bill, the question, <laughs> why, the, why the determination to do this over at least 4,000 years that we knew about? I mean, these monuments are a building program that we know of in Ireland would last between 5,000 BC and 1,000 BC. And to be building the same type of monuments over and over and over for 4,000 years, it's just it's an incredible determination to, to never falter off your past. That's right. As a, civiliz- a civilization today, we're growing and evolving so quick. We, we're, we're distant from the people from the 16th century. We, that's like an alien concept to us. Right, but this isn't even the 16th century. We're talking about, I mean, um, the Romans invaded Britain in 44 uh, BCE. So that's mm. when they invaded, right? And um, who they found were the Celts. Mm-hmm. And so that was the original, those are the original wars when Rome conquered Britain. But before the Celts, there were the Picts, there were the Gales, there were, I mean, who built Stonehenge? We know it wasn't, we know that it wasn't the Celts. Mm-hmm. It was an well, older culture than the Celts. I'm really glad you mentioned that now, Bill, because you've laid the foundation. What we have in the case of Ireland, when you talk Stonehenge, who built Stonehenge, you just got to talk about the whole of the megalithic culture. Because it's the same people in Ireland, it's the same people in Stonehenge. At that time, there wasn't British or there wasn't Irish. There was right. a megalithic region known right. as Northwestern Europe. Exactly. And it was the same group of peoples, the Scottish, the Irish, the Welsh, they were all one. Uh, and, and we call them Celts or Gaels, or, um, but they Picts. really depicts even as well. Um, but what we know before these guys, we have something very unique in Ireland, Bill. Um, I, I start off my megalithic documentary with this. It's episode one, and it's basically uh, God's myths are men. And it's to talk about the stuff in Ireland. We have a very unusual, specific case in Ireland where we have 75% of the rock art of the whole of Europe is in Ireland. And the rock art is incredibly indicative of something. And that's incredibly unique across all megalithic territories. Something like 45% of that is in the two-mile radius in Newgrange. Um, again, the sister site of Stonehenge, if you will, the famous site mm-hmm. of North Ireland. But, right. uh, so to have so much rock art helps you tell the story much better. Uh, we're looking at a fragmented story across all megalithic countries. I'm, I'm going to Belgium and Holland at the end of the month as well. Uh, these guys have... Uh, very little left. There's like just the, the passageways are left. But what's left is incredibly interesting. But no art. Everywhere you go in, in the rest of Europe, especially Central Europe, there's no art apart from Brittany, Ireland and Northwest Scotland. Well, isn't there something in Serbia? There's um, mm-hmm. another megalithic site in either Serbia or Croatia. Um, sure. We'll, we'll come to that in, in Bosnia and stuff. Uh, Bosnia, Serbia, Croatia. Yeah. Uh, just, just to add then, what we also have is these ancient Irish Gaelic texts uh, wrote, down, yes. wrote down in, um, uh, and they're explaining to us who these guys were, where they came from. Um, and, and you mentioned about the Romans and the Celts having a battle. But before that, uh, the ancient Irish Gaelic texts, now I'm talking several different uh, sources, Bill. I'm not talking one uh, piece of text that just turns up and um, it, it, there's, there's well, this so is many be- of- This is before the Mabinogian, right? 
Yeah, and we're talking. Uh, we're talking the the, the the book of invasions is the best source for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you're looking at is the group, the five people who who conquered Ireland. Now, what we have is the Partholonians, the Namidians, the Fomorians, the Firbolg, uh, and the two of the Danann. The two of the Danann are the most interesting because these are the ones that are known as a supernatural race of gods, and I'll come back to that. Obviously, yeah, that's got to. I would a pe- like that, to know where they came from. Yeah, that's one race where I'd love to know where they came from, but because they don't one, come from anywhere. Yeah, they don't see they 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 that's arrive what here. I mean. and, yeah. Now I'll come back to these because these are the ones that piques everybody's interest naturally. Um, but the other one race was known as the Formorians, and they were the race of giants. They were literally referred to as that bill. So we know that there was something between these other ones that had this some sort of a supernatural ability, uh, a race of gods. They were blonde-haired, they were red-haired, uh, they were of tall stature. They were told to be incredibly beautiful or sometimes incredibly ugly. They suppressed the giants. They actually suppressed them in battles. And when they call the Book of Invasions, it's because five groups of people came and invaded Ireland. Uh, One of them, the Caesareans, were the sons of Noah. Um, And we have all these texts wrote down. Now, it's an incredibly detailed story. It's very specific in its detail. It says when they came, how many of them came. Uh, There's a genealogy table. This isn't just like a, a campfire story, Bill. Um, incredibly detailed and this is why I want to mention this this is incredibly important because this has been overlooked even by myself only because I've been concentrating on academic megalithic research for astronomy purposes then Mm -hmm. academic research uh, megalithic research for the acoustics purposes and then looking at the hinges in detail and geometry and other stuff like that and I've been taking this as a compartment as you would do trying to look for stuff and I, I haven't I haven't ditched in mythology. I haven't looked into it in an academic sense is what I'm saying. I, I, I just, it's put it on the shelf. I'm aware of it. I'll deal with it in an academic sense. And the more I'm getting into this now, Bill, um, and this is where I want to tie in the documentary, it's just super fascinating. Um, there's a few fragments of the story that's hard to explain. First of all, the two of the Danon, these guys were known to have come in on a dark ship. That's what they say. Either dark ship, dark cloud, now, that ship could be... Dark matter. No. <laughs> Dark matter, perhaps. I uh, had to. I'm sorry. Go ahead. But uh, they were known to be a, a, some sort of a supernatural race of gods. They brought with them the Stone of Destiny. Um, they, they had uh, mythical swords that were made from strange metallurgy. They were breaching force fields. This isn't uh, a corruption of the story. This is the original story from the earliest mm. sources that we have. Um, and it goes back to it goes back to as far as we can. It's well. Have they um, dated? Have they dated some of these stories? Oh yeah. I mean, let me just. There's the book of invasions. The book of Duncow. There's the book of uh, Leinster. Uh, there's the Magturid. Um, there's about another. There's the the Rawlinson manuscript. That's in Oxford. Um, right. There's, there's about there could be about eleven source materials, and they all corroborate each other. Some of them are mostly the complete story, and then there's another complete story that is the exact same, only differing by five or ten percent. Um, which in so, in those in those times, don't forget the monks wrote these down, and I compare this to right. the Dogon. I compare this to the Dogon. Oh, really? Had the monks had the monks have known about this source material in any way, interpretation or detail, they may have put their own spin on it. 
but they didn't. All they did was record what the Celts were saying. And the Celts were saying, look, we inherited these monuments. We inherited all this. We were were, uh, descendants of these people. In some way, they intermarried with the two of the Danon. They somehow intermingled with them and they inherited their culture, they inherited their their ideology and they inherited everything else. So we have, the point is, we have a direct correlation to megalithic monuments and these supernatural rights of gods in Irish literature going back to at least the 10th century. Okay, well, so the question is, how would you date those stories compared to, let's say, the story of Cúhulín or the story of the cattle raid of Cooley? Where would they uh, fit um, against some of these stories? Oh, they're all the same. Well, they actually refer to the flood in the story. So we're talking, mm-hmm. uh, we're talking biblical stuff. Or, uh, biblical yeah, uh, you're yeah. talking 6,000 years at that point. Yeah, I mean, if they're tying in the megalithic Easy. monuments, if, yeah. if they're tying in the megalithic monuments, Bill, well, then it's, 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 there's a direct correlation with the megalithic monuments. Uh, some people actually said it was 1700 BC in some references. Actually, until the 18th century, Bill, this material was regarded as actual, the true history of Ireland. Well, and that, it was actually, I that I know. That I know. That, yeah, because you see that turning up in Irish literature in the 1700s. That's a sure, theme and was, in Irish literature. Yeah, and it was uh, it was somehow demonized or labelized as mythology um, after that. Um, well, partly it was the church. I mean, partly it was the church when um, there were two Saint Augustines. There were two. <laughs> there were two streams of Christianity that came into the into into Britain. One came from Ireland, and that was an early that was an early Christianity because they were. Um, somehow practicing the Pelagian heresy. So, so um, there was that stream coming in. Then there was the stream of Christianity that came in through Rome. After, 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 mm. right? So you have these two streams coming in, and it was the um, it was the Irish stories that became demonized by when the Saxons were converted by um, Saint Augustine mm. of Hip. Well, look at the Glaragall and the Heron, for example. Had the monks have known exactly what that meant to us in a modern sense, what we think of these, uh, look at these, I'm going to get into uh, the Anu part and the Anunnaki because there's, there's a lot of people trying to link this up um, in, in, in great detail. I personally think there's a direct link there. I don't think you need to be creative with it. I think there's enough there Hi, to Jimmy. warrant. Hi, Jimmy. Oh, you're back. Good. I'm good. I'm back. Oh, I have to ask a question. I've been muted for a little while listening. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, and I'm sorry. That was technical. And it was a nightmare. Um, Jimmy, I know I, I, I can't wait to listen to the rerun. It will be up on SoundCloud and up on Future Theater. As soon as we're done, I'm going to listen to what I missed. But you were talking about the monks, okay, just now. Mm-hmm. Sure. Can you uh, uh, can you just kind of elaborate a little more? You, uh, you were you saying the monks were the keepers of some of these secrets? Oh no! I mean, the, the Celts were the keepers of these uh, oral histories, and what the monks did was they wrote them down. They didn't ah. understand them. They didn't understand them. It was just like the Dogon. When you look at Marcel Griol and Germain Dieterlin, when they went to the Dogon, right. they didn't get anything that the Dogon. Yeah, nobody was saying. got. Uh, nobody understood the Dogon. Well, do you think the monks wrote it down accurately, or do you think they thought they I do. were talking I, to savages? I do. That's my and- I do. Yeah. That's my very point. I, I think they they recorded it accurately uh, to what they Why were saying. Why do you think we, that? Because it's so it's corroborated by so many different uh, 
geographics of Ireland. I mean, every corner of Ireland has some of these fragments of the stories subscribing in different time frames and different books. Mm-hmm. It was they were they were taking them off the Irish people and they were writing them down. And how far out what were uh, were the stories the Celts were telling the monks? Far out in terms of uh, science to fiction. The monks, to the monks' ears, to the monks' Catholic ears. Well, like I say, I, I think they, they, they recorded it and, and didn't even think about what they were writing down. They wrote down this as, from a historical... If, That's if what you I'm asking. Think, well, okay, so then what, what did they write down? Did they write down just uh, agricultural records or did they write down stories? Oh no, the whole stories, the whole literature of what the people were telling them. They just recorded what the people told them. And, and what did they title these books? These were not, you know, prayer books, right? No, they were histories. Um, okay. They yeah, no, Lower yeah, Gaul and the Heron is probably the most, well, like I said, in English we call it the Book of Invasions, but it actually means the Book of the Taking of Ireland. And that's why they call it the Lower ah. Gaul and the Heron. It means ah. the Book of the Taking of Ireland by the five groups. Um, and these five groups are the Numidians, the Caesarians, the, the Fomorians, the Tuatadanon, and the Milesians. The Milesians are the ones that are closely related to the Gaels. They, they're, they're sometimes known as the Dragon Lords of Anu. Well, are these groups coming from four or five different directions? Yeah, that's the question that I was. That's a good question. That's exactly what I was going to ask. Did oh, the monks yeah. tell you where they, what directions they came from? You would think, you would think they came from the west because if they came from the east, they're crossing the Irish Sea. Well. Ireland's an island, so right. what we do, what, they're actually coming in different time frames as well as different locations. The Fomorians were coming from the north. We do know that. Uh, that's the easiest one to talk about. Sometimes they're actually referred to as Lochlands, and Lochlands meant up towards the north. So we're looking up uh, Scotland and Norway. And they gave uh, characteristics of each of these groups, I guess? Yeah, the Fomorians were the race of giants. They were men of stature. They were fierce. Mm-hmm. They, they were uh, revered in terms of physical stature and size. They were, um, they were fearful uh, creatures, basically. Right. Monsters. How, how old would you say these stories really are? Can you tell from the oral um, keeping how, when they started? Well, the Celts uh, first known in Ireland were looking at a thousand BC, but before that, mm-hmm. they they're saying that these other five groups were the ones before them. Now, the yeah, ones before right. them, the ones before them are, are associated with the megalithic monuments, and it just takes you a little bit of common sense to realize. Well, what right. is the earliest account of the megalithic monuments? And we have, well, actually, we have five thousand BC for Carl Moore, thirty five hundred BC for Carl Keel in the location where the two of the Danon were. Wow. Not wow. only that, not wow. only that, we have uh, recent evidence of a megalithic city covered by a strange, <laughs> wait for it, this is the flood coming in, yeah. this, black, this black brown sandy alluvial deposit, it looks like this uh, ancient settlement was just covered over in a flood. Um, and that's been recently covered in Clare in the west of Ireland. Uh, I've got an article not in Capricorn members. So, so, if, so if it's alluvial... That means it would covered by a flood. Yeah, and and we talk about one of these groups coming uh, in after the flood. Uh, that's what the books actually record down. So um, now you're back to six thousand years. I personally think so, at least back that far. Um, but we're back to about four thousand BC minimum, I think. Well, in, when did when uh, as scholars have to accept um, the information that the Sphinx at one point had water erosion? 
what is the what's the accepted date now that they are pushing things back? Um, when you talk about, uh, to be honest with you, I couldn't even care about archaeology anymore because yeah, oh really. In terms of uh, they either accept the stuff or they don't, and they right. just ignore it. They just right. ignore the they ignore the evidence that's in front of them. I well, mean, you have every- interviewed, I think, all the heroes of the, <laughs> of the current um, the, the current archaeology scene. I think the heroes who are all each one is an Indiana Jones, including yourself. Don't you uh, think? Thank yes. You. Well, thank let's you. ask about that too. Um, have you ever interviewed Vendel Jones, Vendy Jones? I haven't. No, I haven't. Oh, uh, there's the per- well. He's very old now, but there's the person I want to interview, because according to excavations in Israel, Vendel Jones really had his sights on one of the uh, caves, the Wadu, near the Dead Sea, where the Ark of the Covenant would be. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously we have, we have our own legend that the people the people the people think that the hill of tara the megalithic complex of the hill of tara once housed the, the ark of the covenant um there's people think that the tua dedanan the, these which basically means the tribe of the goddess of anu now mm-hmm. that does, some people actually mm-hmm. say that's the goddess danu uh, but de anu actually means of anu of anu right of anu now we, yeah. that doesn't deliberate whether it's male or female um there's, uh, but the tribe of the goddess of Danu, um, people are thinking that this is the lost tribe of Israel. I can see why they think that. There's, 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 there's a line of evidence why you might think that. Um, it's, if you want and to and what, it, what is that? Can, yeah, can you say what that is sort of for? What the, yeah, the in, evidence. Yeah. Well, the tribe of Dan, they were seafarers, uh, conducting seafarers to Ireland. It's, that they reckon they colonized that in about the 7th century BC. But... These are rough dates. Some people think it was 1800 BC. What we do know is that um, the tribe, the two of the Danan, were, they were descendants of Danus, or Danu, that of Anu. And they had a son of Belus, and uh, he had 50 daughters that they went to Argos. This is, what's, that, this is what we know. Mm-hmm. Um, they talked about a grail-like vessel. Um, they brought with them the Stone of Destiny, uh, which is in, in Irish Gaelic is known as Leofoyle. Uh, which is closely associated with the Tara megalithic complex. Uh, it's recently been exca- uh, done in archaeological excavations that there's a basically a hidden city underneath the Tara Hill complex, there, and they haven't even dug it up. Wow. It's been done with ground penetrating radar. I was going to ask some- you if they've yeah. used ground penetrating radar. That was my obvious. That was the question. Well, isn't the Stone of Destiny? Unless um, it's something else. Isn't the Stone of Destiny what what the British throne is supposedly built over? <laughs> they took it from Tara Hill. Yes, they actually took the Stone of Destiny from Tara Hill, shipped it to Scotland, and every time. And that's where Tara, Tara was where the kings of Ireland sat. This was the ancient kings of ah, Ireland. Right? Wow. And, and that's why they took that stone of destiny. They, they ship it to Scotland. And every ah. time there's a, a British monarch, they ship it from Scotland down to London, uh, put it underneath the seat for the throne, and then put it back up again. Wow. I don't know why they keep it in Scotland, though. Yeah, Strange neither do I. Yeah, neither do I. Well, and if no Scotland sense. decides to become its own independent country, um, and that might happen. It, it came close to happening, and it seems like it might happen. It seems... Like the end of a beautiful tradition from our part of the world, you know. It it wasn't that beautiful for the Scots, that's for sure. (laughs) Well, and my my children. The Battle of Culloden, 1735. Well, my children are half. Yeah. Yeah, my children are half Scottish. No, they're a quarter Scottish. Quarter Scottish. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, but um, okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I'm totally open to that being the lost tribe of Israel. You know, I, I'm aware of that about 15 well, um, years ago. I'm James, aware of that 50, yeah, 15 years ago. Before you go ago. on into that, let's just for a minute, while we have a little break here, um, is it? do you have any opinion at all on this uh, little uh, fight going on that was on YouTube between Graham Hancock and... Uh, 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 was? Yes, yes. The Egyptian guy. I yeah. am. What what I know is there was more. There was a YouTube clip being released. Apparently, what was said by Zahir was before that was like even worse. Again, uh. he was just ignorant, blasphemous, disrespectful. It didn't even look human. Uh, what he was saying to the people and around he's him. Been the, has, has he's not only been the like the the bulwark or the block the wall between. Most people who want to have any access, right? In, right, the, he's a director of antiquities or something like that, exactly, yeah. Yeah, he's the single, for, as far as I'm concerned, he's the single most, uh, um, uh, people call him the Indiana Jones of, of archaeology. No, I think he's, I I think he's think done so. the, the, the single most greatest uh, disservice to the whole of Egyptology. He's prevented anything real in research. The, not to speak about Arabic people, by the way, but... These right. are Arabs. These are these. Ha- these have a different mindset of how they do business. The Arab world doesn't do things like the West. It's the simplest. Well, that. That, Egypt, that, okay. Egypt is well, an Arab country. Yeah, it's just we have an Arab to be country. really careful at this point because the world's kind of a tinderbox. But I would say that um, w- just a thing that that frustrates me is if there are secret rooms under the paws of the Sphinx, and so many of us, I think, have a romantic hope that in fact some of the great secrets of life were stored down there. And you don't want a Zawi Hawass to be the guy giving the secrets to the highest bidder, you know, if that's such a thing is happening. That's always what I keep thinking is happening. And if it's true that the stuff got buried, it might also be true that it was also buried in seven other places scattered around the world. I don't think like that at all, Nancy. I think it's, uh, yeah, I understand why you would think that. But Mm -hmm. to be honest with you, these guys don't want to dig anything up. They just this this stuff is idolatries to these guys. They they try to dismantle the Great Pyramid. That's where the casing stones are missing. It was all taken down to build mosques and Cairo City. They would have dismantled oh, the whole so thing. They would have dismantled the religious it, 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 it is religion. W- I mean this is exactly what the Catholic Church did um with uh Greek culture uh during the Middle Ages. They basically banned anything before the coming of Christianity to Europe and so that's the beginning of the Masonic order. Uh, the people building the churches had to, I mean, uh, you cannot do that level of construction unless you understand basic geometry. Okay. And, and basic let me, let geometry me bring is a, founded by Euclid and the church right. banned Euclid. Now let me throw in a, a great question from, from one of the chats, from this, this case, Twitter. Um, Newgrange, uh, the school of the north, is that something that you can talk about? The School of the North. Newgrange. Um, uh, where Enoch was taken by Uriel. Does that sound any, does that ring well, any e- bells? Enoch, the, the story of Enoch is mirrored in the, in the Book of Invasions and all the other Gaelic literature as well. The ancient oh, literature, wow. that is. Um, oh. They talk about longevity as well. Uh, this, this is, I've got to mention the Og and I've got to mention the Irish mythology and what it Og, the king of Bashan, um, was known to be of a giant of stature. However, king Og, right? Uh, king Og of Bashan, yeah. Yeah, yeah King Og. However, right. the whole of Irish mythology is riddled with the Og, or the Og. What we, we call it Og, they call it Og. It's, it's the pronunciation, it's an accent thing. But yeah, OG, Og. Um, 
uh, there's ancient Irish mythology known as the Tirn and Og, um, and that these guys had longevity as well. Of course, we have this in the Book of Noah. Noah, Noah and uh, was supposed to have had longevity, as was Enoch, um, and loads of other figures in the biblical sources as well. Methuselah. They, they seem to have gone to a different place for a while and come That's back right. again. Just That's exactly right. Noah had great longevity, and um, it was Seth from whom humanity descended. In fact, in 18th century and 19th, early 19th century England, there was a whole cult, a religious cult called the Sethians, mm. uh, worshipping their descent from Seth, the descendant of Noah. And what about Methuselah? Is that... He's another one for longevity as well. Longevity, um, yeah. Again, this is mirrored in the Anunnaki Sumerian accounts where they have longevity as well. Um, and that's that's a whole other that that's probably more well documented here. What we have in the Irish mythology is the story of Ushin and uh, the land of Og or the Tirnan Og. Tir means land, and Og means the land of Og. However, here's the problem: we translate this in Irish language today as the land of the young because Og, the, these giants or these they, these had longevity. They had a physical attribute where they would live longer. Um, mm-hmm. So they call it the land of where people lived longer, basically, instead of the land of the oak. And maybe call it the they land just the kept joints. growing. Maybe their, their growth size is just simply because it's actually been a conundrum for scientists. How do you keep on staying alive without growing? Once you well, stop growing, you start dying. I personally think In- they were different. I personally think they were a different race. We have, we actually have like texts saying that these were a different race of people. They were literally being suppressed by the two of the Danan. The two of the Danan were have some supernatural qualities, godlike qualities, demigods, if you would, if you will. They were a race of demigods, and they suppressed the the og, the people with uh, large stature. It's actually the birth of the Irish language is known as Ogham script. O G, H A M Ogham script. And Ogham script is there's only four hundred known examples of Ogham script, and from the Ogham script it looks like a Morse code almost, uh, lots of dashes and, and uh, vertical marks, uh, like you would scratch on a wall counting your weeks in a jail cell until you till you get right, out. Right, or maybe maybe that's what the runes came from. Those uh, runic, they, again, the runes no? coming from the north, uh, they pro- they, that probably had a, a direct link with the, with the Ogham script as well. A lot of people link that up too, Nancy. Um, yeah. Good point to mention. But the, Og- the Ogham script... Do you know uh, what? You know what? Just as a little, since I had such technical problems, I'm on a Mac. Uh, Angel's not going to appreciate this, but the Mac may crash, but there is a character viewer and there is an Og script on it. I can go and look it up. And but yeah, you're on a Mac, so we'll crash. Don't you dare! Don't you dare play with script in that Mac. I'm not going to do it no, right now, but I'm just no, telling James no, no. that uh, James, you're on a Mac as well, aren't you? I don't do Mac. I'm anti-Mac. <laughs> Anti-Mac. <laughs> Never mind. Well, anyway, so they have the script. See, Nancy. Yeah. Well, okay. Great minds. It's a bad crash. I, I am. I, I believe I have to rethink my um, my technical prowess. Well, they talk about the people, they talk about these people from the land of Oak, and and that doesn't necessarily mean uh, they were perpetually young, although that's one astra. I mean, we're talking with the Watchers, the Nephilim, the Oak, they were one and the same. There was suppression of them. So we talk about the suppression of the Oak or the the Fomorians that came from the north. They had blonde hair. They lived for a longevity. And it seems to be that they go away to this place, which could be... I don't know. It could be a physical place. It could be on a spacecraft. I don't know. That that bit of the story is elusive. But they seem to have gone away to this place and lived for long periods of time and come back again. But as soon as they come back, 
to this land, uh, Aaron, uh, they put their foot on the ground, and as soon as they do, they, they, they age dramatically. That um, they feel it. They actually physically age dramatically. Mm-hmm. This well, is this well, stuff is like science fiction, guys. Right, it and does. then they they aged, and then it said that they died. Right. Yeah, there was a, or they, are they immortal? But very, they weren't immortal. Very, they, like I say, they weren't immortal, but they seem to have a longevity um, a, a attribute to them. So even when we translate the word "og" in Irish today, we translate it as being youthful, or not. It doesn't mean young. It means forever young. Quote forever young, and it's and it doesn't really mean that in its pure etymology. It means from the land of young and the land of og, which was a physical attribute of being from og. Well, this is the same King Og that's talked about in the Bible, right? When oh when yeah, we're talking Israelites biblical are, sources. Uh, yeah, the, this is biblical source, right? Because one of the thing I mean, I knew this person oh years ago. He uh, he was a Middle Eastern scholar, and one of the things he said was that he believes that someday when they're trying to um, excavate for a parking garage in Amman, Jordan, they're going to come across the, the very famous King Og's bed from the Bible, right? This giant bed that housed King Og. Wow. He wow. thinks it's in Jordan. He thinks it's in the country of Jordan. Yeah. Because that's where... Because that's where when the Israelites came to the border, they they crossed over with the spies, right? Caleb and Joshua and a prince of every tribe. And when they came back, because they were spying on the people who lived there, and when they came back, they brought grapes that were the size of, of like basketballs. And they said, basically, stay out of this place because these are giants. Hmm. But it does sound like not only giants, it, it sounds also like that other syndrome of things continuing to grow and enlarge and enlarge and enlarge. And uh, it also, um, you know, in the Woody Allen movies, in the future, the fruit and everything is humongous like that. Um, right. And the future is completely, I mean, I'm telling you, go and watch Sleeper. Uh, the future is really turning out to be, it was a joke, um, except for the smoking, um, you know, eating chocolate, right. eating steak. Even it's what when they're doing look, in the future. Even when you look at the megalithic monuments in Ireland, it's clearly there was two hands at work. When you look at the hinges, they were built by the Og and, and the dolmens. But when you look at the, the passage tombs, they were associated with the two of Danon, or the tribe of the goddess of Anu. Um, and they were the ones with the mythical qualities. They had seemed to have a force field around their monuments. They talked about this firmament, the sky was uh, different around these monuments and that they were trying to breach these like force fields. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a battle between uh, the two of the Dan and the tribe of the goddess of Anu and the Fomorians or the Og. And we know this, there was a battle going on between these guys. They actually suppressed the Fomorians, they suppressed the Og. Uh, so we're talking about two totally different races of people. Uh, or groups or demographics if you want well, to Well in the that. in the in the literature this is all pre flood, right? Um, some of it has pre-flood and some of it has the descendants of uh, the descendants. I mean, we have a mythical god called Ogma, um, and we seem to have the two merged. Don't forget, see, the two of the Danon were living in exile. Um, they were exiled most likely from the Middle East. These tribe of the goddess of Anu, uh, they probably fled the Middle East and arrived here on ships. We, we well, know but wait, James, ex- are you talking about 
the actual inhabitants of a tribe of people, or are you talking about their mythology about gods? Are they actually, are these messages just describing gods, which is, you know, how we consider... Where mythology ends and history begins, yeah. It, it, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's, it's married into each other. Um, I can only re- re- recite what, this, what the sources say. There's some tangible facts to it, and then there's stuff there that you can either accept as um, for what it is, but um, Ogma, uh, he's the he's one of the two of the Danans. So we have a, a, a link where they either suppressed, intermarried, or or ruled them. Um, but the the two of the Danum, they were a group of people that came here, um, limited in numbers, most likely in exile, uh, re- refugees who then. Um, people think from the Amorites, it was an Amorite uh, clan that came here, and then. As a result of that, they then got segregated and they were dwindling in numbers. So they were up against it in terms of a statistic numbers game. Um, but battling with the with the Og, they had better powers than them. And that's what the stories all uh, yeah. And the talk stories uh, and before when I was on when I was on my hiatus, my my little technical break here. Um, did you guys talk about the uh, oral qualities of some of the monoliths? The uh, so you know the sounds. James was James was going to bring that up. He yeah, was, that, that last time you were on, James, you kind of left us hanging. Um, you had gotten yourself into. Oh my goodness! You you described a, I guess it was a wasn't a tomb. It's one of the monuments where where sound plays a, a great. Uh, uh, it, it has a lot of functions the way the sound is used. Um, do you remember which one? This is a place where. It it wasn't a catacomb, but it had oh the hypogeum, you mean yeah yeah in Malta yeah Again, no, actually I was in it's a I was necropolis in, yeah I was in Malta in I was in Malta in early March just recently uh, I actually had the chance uh, to um, do the acoustic testing I was the only male on the group of ten there's only ten people allowed in at a time uh, it was a group of schoolgirls came in and myself and my other half. Uh, but I was the only male in there, and it only activates at the male vocal range. Um, and I got to do that and for the first time, and I can hear it resonating. It's actually feel it hitting me in the chest. I have no doubt that that is an acoustic chamber. All chambers have an yeah. acoustic effect to yeah. them, we know that. But yeah. this, this resonance came back, and one of the other chambers uh, we know um, maybe activates at the female vocal range, but for, for the best part, the, ho- the three-story cave complex, the whole thing resonates at the male vocal range. Now, Another thing, uh, and, and this is an update, um, I was aware from Giorgio de Sucalis' In Search of Aliens episodes that he actually got access to these uh, hypogeme skulls that were found. Strange, uh, I won't call them elongated, they're, they're, they're long, if you will. Uh, they're not like elongated skulls, but they are definitely, at the very least, from a different group or tribe, if you want to call it that. That would probably be the best political way of saying it. Um, and they're not on display. They're kept in the basement. Uh, I asked to see them in the museum. I tried to set up meetings. They just pushed me away. They didn't want it. They didn't want it. They just brushed me off. Um, they said, we can't do it this week. And they knew I was only there for a week. So they said, why don't you come back next week, knowing that I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And that was their way of doing it. Um, so, but the, the thing is, they have no sagittal suture, these skulls. They're incredibly unique, and, and they're kind of, sort of some sort of a cone. No, I wouldn't say cone-shaped. They're not like the cone heads of Peru, and they're not as large as that, but they are um, a strange shape to them, and they have no sagittal suture. Um, right, in terms the, of, arche- in terms of archaeology, 
In terms of archaeology, they are incredibly anonymous. And Giorgio's father is actually a, a, a doctor. Um, he showed it to him, the, the photographs, and they, he's blown away as well from a medical opinion. So there's um, no suture in the so there's no suture in the back of the skull. And no, no, and they're so strange shaped and a larger. Well, if there's it, no yeah, but if there's no suture in the back of the skull. That means the bones were never separated at first, and they never knit together. Yeah, but couldn't so, it have been the paddle babies, the the paddle, the board babies? There'd still be sutures. No, 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 no. Yes. No, not if you smash your your child's no, head. No, no, no. But the sutures would tightly. still be there. No, the the sutures would still be there. What would if cause the, baby the is sutures? The sutures are from. The skull is expanded when a newborn baby is going through the birth canal. And the birthing process that travel through the birth canal, that uh, closes the skull. And that's what causes the, uh, the parts of the skull in the back of the cranium to, uh, 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 to come together and to knit. And that's the beginning of the shedding of excess neurons because the skulls are knitting and they're basically enclosing the brain. And so that's why all human creatures, all human skulls, there's evidence of, of sutures. Even the skull, even the star child skull that um, uh, Lloyd Pye had, that had perfectly knit sutures. So that's how you know that wasn't a hydrocephalic skull because the sutures were symmetrical, not asymmetrical. But if you're talking about a skull that doesn't have sutures, you're talking about a skull that didn't come through a birth canal. And so where did that skull come from? Well, um, there were uh, cesareans. Could it have been that? Where you just cut the child out? Well, we know that the ancient Romans had cesareans because that's how you got the name cesarean birth. Right. That's what I'm saying. So there's not going to be sutures. Well, it wasn't the name given by Caesar Caesarian. Wasn't that where the name came from? Right. That was the name. Julius Caesar was, you know, he was from his his child. Right. And you know what? Caesar himself was from his mother's womb untimely ripped. Right. And he named his child Caesarian. Well, Caesarian was Augustus Caesar's child with Cleopatra. Right, yeah. that's the one, yeah. And did you know that the mother of Alexander the Great had to keep that child in her for three extra days so that he would be born under the right signs? I read that someplace, and just trying to contemplate that is beyond belief if you try to, you know, stop the birth, uh, the birth contractions, which can right. be done, I guess. So, but, James, did, have you ever seen photographs of these skulls? Oh yeah, um, I've seen oh, video. Of I've seen video of the footage as well, which is why I wanted to get my hands on them. But yeah. here's the th- here's the thing: the important thing to make the point to make about this and to conclude on it is that the skulls are, cl- are clearly representing a different group or tribe of people not known uh, to the other indigenous groups of Europe, and they are closely linked with the megalithic builders because the the the, the hypogeum is a megalithic temple underground or an ossuary, if you will. It, it just puts a different group of people uh, associated with these monuments. And I say a different group as in physical attributes. Uh, yeah, a, 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 a different race. So, but also, so if they had different powers, let's just say for argument's sake, they could, exp- they could um, expand their thoughts. They, ca- they could uh, not expand. They could um, not broadcast their thoughts. But, you know, um, project what is it when, their thoughts. When they, you know, you, the waves become larger and larger and larger. Not even projecting. Um, there's a good technical term but if you stand in a certain kind of an amphitheater and you can 
speak on the stage and your voice can be heard all through. What if there's a similar thing for thoughts? And that's part of their life culture. And when, when they die, their machines don't work because our thoughts are, are not too different frequency or something. We just don't right. have that. What if we're like an the avatar nef- and somebody's nef- playing us on the other side? Well, the Nephilim Og, yep. if you want to just uh. double barrel their name, yeah. were known to have knowledge that others people didn't have. There was a transfer of knowledge that they weren't supposed to have. So, mm. um, Well, okay, but I want to get back to the skulls. So have the keepers of those skulls ever done any uh, genetic testing? Has anybody they've never ever been tested? To... They've never been tested by medical people. They've never been tested by archaeologists or anthropologists. Um, they've never, never been tested by any of that. Um, they've never even been studied in an academic sense. Um, all they've ever done is just been put in a box and forgotten about. They don't want to deal with it. Um, you just don't want to touch it. It's sad. It's sad because there's very few instances where we have a school is is a most uh, important part of the human anatomy because it tells you so much about a person. The rest Correct. of the bones will give you physical height and stuff like that, but the size and shape of a skull can give you a demographic or even a that's right. Uh, a, I mean, a physical yeah, attribute. It's, it's like how the eye so- are the eye sockets deep? Are they flat? What is exactly. the position of the eye sockets? Exactly. Even where the size the of the spinal, cranium. Yeah. Yeah, and then where does the spinal column enter the neck? How is the how is the head poised? How is the head poised on the spinal column? Those are really important because the star child skull is totally anomalous when it comes to where that where the spinal column enters because we, if you measure it, mm-hmm. you know that it couldn't that theoretically that spinal column couldn't possibly support the skull with a brain that size, the brain is 35%, the, the, the cranial capacity for the brain is 35% larger than a normal human skull. Sure. Uh, actually, ironically, in, in the north of Ireland, uh, home of the, the two of the Danon, which were mostly in the north, these, these tribe of the goddess of Anu, these, they, they're mostly in the northeast and the northwest of Ireland. Uh, that, was their, that was their landscape. Um, other groups were in the south, the east and the southwest. But in the north of Ireland today, we have the largest craniums uh, of any nation in Europe. Now, I'm, all, I'm not saying we're smarter people. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying physical uh, larger craniums uh, doesn't mean intelligence, but uh, may indicate that. But it's uh, I just mean that we have a physical um, attribute today uh, mm. that the people in the north of Ireland have the largest craniums. And yet, and yet, the minute you say Irish, I think about beer halls and clanking of you know steins and lots of drinking, lots of every Irish guy I know, and I don't know you personally, um, Jimmy, so I'm not saying this about yourself. But every other Irish guy I know almost to the person either is a happy drunk, a mean drunk, an alcoholic, or just a drunk, okay? <laughs> and so you well, want to ask yourself, what happened to this magnificent race that got them so hooked on booze, sort of like the Native Americans? It's almost like they must have taken away your other drugs, your real drugs of choice. What? Yeah, yeah. serious. I'm serious Native about this Americans. because Native Americans are... What do they got to do with anything? They, 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 they smoke the peace pipe, man. No, They're no, cool. Angel, wait. Let me just say And this. by the way, have you seen more than two or three Native Americans at the same time in one place in your entire well, life? Well, I'm a member of the Hickory Apache tribe. Yeah, and how many times have you seen more than two or three at the same time? Oh, my God. I mean, I was with the tribal elders. We were up on, we were up on the Delsey Mountain. 
they're elders. They'll be gone soon. So then there'll be nobody left there. What of the Hickory Apache? I, I'm, 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 I've been with a bunch of. Them yeah, but that's in a, in a very small area. I mean, you go into like every other city in the United States, and they're like nowhere to be found. Well, no, not no. Very in Chicago, numbers. in Chicago, there is a large number because we were speaking to one of the storytellers there, and there were certain stories he couldn't tell us, but an, only another storyteller could tell us. It's very Any casinos hierarchical. around that area. Any casinos it's, around that no, area? No, no, it's very hierarchical. <laughs> it's very hierarchical among the oh, Native Americans. All our Native Americans around here have casinos. That's the only way we are able to see them. Well, only in Florida. In Florida. Yeah. And in Pennsylvania. And in yeah. Pennsylvania. No, no, no. But I mean, <laughs> it's a very hierarchical organization in, in terms of who can do what on the reservation. And, and so if you know a story about something, let's say the story of creation, let's say the story of the star people, only the, the, the storytellers from the elders are allowed to tell that story and they choose the next generation of people they will tell the story to because they're the ones that will carry the story into the next generation. It's extremely organized. Anyway, the, uh, the, uh, the thing about the... Uh, uh, so the none of the stories story. are written down? I mean, the things No, the they're record. not written no. down. No, these are all, no, these are oral stories. All oral stories, yeah. See, that's that's why I, I always have a problem with keeping records that way because people do embellish and you know the stories do get. Angel, you're mistaken about that. That's okay. No. You said that. Let me tell, tell you a piece why of gossip you... to somebody when it goes, you're goes around the, the block telephone. for a bit. Okay, hush, it comes back hush, to you. It's going to be you know different. Hush. hush. Different. You're... The blonde becomes a brunette. Hush. You're talking about the telephone game. Demons. Okay. Listen. When when you listen, you will actually. Uh, learn something and here's what it is you're talking about the concept of the telephone game and that's a fun game and you're absolutely absolutely right about that but what Bill is talking about and what James is talking about when they talk about oral what they're talking about when they say oral tradition you're talking about a situation in which you sing song exact words and if you don't sing song the exact words perfectly your elder your father your mother whoever's you know teaching you will give you a good swift kick you will get hurt if you don't sing it right so it is so that it goes from generation to generation absolutely correctly it's critically right. important and it's James, totally the, big, the, the opposite not it's as they're the, in on the conspiracy nancy and it's no no it's no, the it's way no, that no, stuff no, has been handed down it's you called a tribal. To, it's called a tribal encyclopedia. You have that, to treasure this concept because if we get an e an electromagnetic pulse that puts us back to the Stone Age, the only way that real true stories are going to be able to be carried from tribe to tribe is by learning how to memorize it exactly. Not play the telephone game. The telephone game is fun when you have other communications, but this is how stories, particularly among people who were persecuted, let's say. They weren't allowed to tell their stories. Uh, they weren't allowed to do tarot, so they did playing cards instead and played games with their tarot instead. Um, it's a way to hide stuff in plain sight. So it's the well, opposite of the telephone game. You have to. You, I, I, I meant to. Yeah, don't buy it. I meant to let you know this. Okay, uh, two uh, entirely uh, different things. A, Just, a book. You, a book you should read, Angel. Because there's a great book on the subject. It's called The Singer of Tales. And it's by this person, Albert Bates Lord. <clears throat> Albert Bates Lord and Milman Parry. James, you should take a look at this book too. Albert Bates Lord and uh, Milman Parry. 
were investigating this, the, the modern oral tradition, 20th century oral tradition, was alive and well during the Turkish, Armenian, and Serbian and Bosnian wars at the beginning of the century, uh, the 20th century. And the, um, the, both sides had an oral poetry tradition which was basically describing the various battles that each side won. And so what uh, Parry and Lord, what they did was they went to Serbo-Croatia to record some of this poetry, because it was poetry, to record some of this poetry. And what they found out was astounding, that the reason this was not the telephone game was that there were rhythms, basic poetic rhythms that stories would fit into. And it's the rhythms themselves that carried the story from one generation to the next. And so there were certain phrases where they would slug um, um, story content in, and those phrases would carry the story. It's a fascinating book. It's It's also like rap. Well, well, it's a lot like it's a lot like rap. Um, It's called uh, the book is called The Singer of Tales, and it is the modern exposition of oral form. It's called oral formulas, oral formulaic poetry. And so what James is talking about in terms of the oral tradition, these were formulas that basically were passed down from generation to generation. They were a form of poetry. They weren't prose. They were poetry. And so when the but when the monks got a hold of these things. The monks began to transcribe these stories, and so the monks were translating poetic verse. And here's where the data gets changed. No, the data doesn't get changed. It's Mm -hmm. almost like, I mean, James, check me out if I'm wrong. That's what I was trying to say, Bill. That's totally what I was trying to say. That (laughs) it's just like the Dogon that you can't corrupt the data because we know that because the data has appeared. The data has appeared in other geographic locations. It's never been written down, man. It's, it's, it's in stone, the data, baby. The data, the data has appeared in other geographic locations and in different time frames to nearly 100% accuracy. Um, right. So, yeah, exactly. so much for the, the telephone game. Go back in your corner and, <laughs> and think about this. No telephone game. <laughs> but they didn't have telephones, but they were the playing Do, games. The Dogon, Dogon's oral history, um, the Dogon's oral history, um, was written down by Marcel Grill and Germain Dieterlin and, and they didn't understand it. They just recorded it because they were anthropologists and they were recording and living the information. Right. Had they right. have understood it, they would have, had they have understood it, they would have uh, wow. uh, maybe interpreted yeah. it a different way. But the monks didn't try to interpret the data. They just wrote down what they, exactly. they knew. And that's why, that's, that's what we what have. The monks did. Yes, that's the same thing that happened with early Germanic poetry, the same thing that happened with Homeric poetry, the same thing that happened with early English poetry. The monks heard these stories. And in some cases, what the monks tried to do was um, to reinterpret the stories in commentary to make them conform to, this, to Christianity. The more but you speak, of, the more I, I'm proven right here. Thank you. No, 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 no. The commentary exists oh, yeah. side. No, listen, listen, Angel. <laughs> it's the commentary from the story. exists side by side. You know when they when the president gives State of the Union address, State of the Union. Then yeah, I don't the, believe the, him either. But go ahead. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. He gives his address. You can go and check it, and you can read it online. The um, op, the opposing party, the party that's out of power, gets to 
to make their commentary on the speech. That commentary, you can either think is gospel or you can think is the stupidest thing you've ever heard. When Marco Rubio was drinking the water in, during his commentary, well, Stupid. that's what Bill's saying, that that commentary went along with the stories. It doesn't change the stories. It was there. I remember, and here's a, here's a classic example. Um, I wanted to run uh, the, the John Lear story in the UFO magazine, uh, first issue I did. And the Eckers were so incensed, they wanted to write their own commentary. Don't believe this stuff. Here's, here's what the truth is. So you run that side by side with the original, and that way people have a record of what the original person said, what the State of the Union was, and what the uh, opposing party says. is really. And so the monks were the opposing party at this point. Well, right. So you're saying they were writing confusing stuff to to confuse the masses. No, no, no. I'm saying they were writing commentary. Okay, let's say these stories. Let's say you go to church. Okay, let's say you go to church, and in the middle of the ceremony, the 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 minister gets up and he gives a talk. That's what we're talking about. He talks about the Bible. He talks about his opinions. And most ministers through history always wrote all that stuff down. And published oh, it. Okay. Oh, yeah, I still don't Yay. buy it. Sorry. No, Thank you. No, don't, buy it. No, Thank don't you. buy it. I'll be here all week. Not buying it. Sorry. Not buying it. With, oh, oh with I, thought, monk- I, thought I, I thought I got through to you. No, no see, the no, monks, the ah. first inside, see, uh, the Christian monks, the Catholic monks, when they came to Ireland, they were the first encyclopedists of, of all the stories, of all the stories they heard. And because that's how that the was stories, important to them, but it right, wasn't important to that's themselves how this, who were still no, passing it orally. No, but that's how the stories got written down. Right. And so exactly. that was the... the but, do was you th- hear, but here's my question. Do you think there were secret, there were books written down that were taken away by the Vatican and put away? Stuff oh, I'm that- sure there's a whole, I, I'm, I'm sure James can tell you that there are books today that basically were so censured, but well... For example, they're called the Apocrypha. So the book of Enoch is apocryphal. The book of Nicodemus is apocryphal. The book of Joseph is apocryphal. Right, James? Uh, James? I think we lost James. I think we okay. lost James. Ah. I think we did. He was Let's unnaturally quiet. I thought perhaps he was <laughs> mad. <laughs> it's, it's possible. Yeah. I don't think he's used to being that quiet. Here he's back. Well, and also my 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 connection is lousy. In addition to the computer, well, we, we, we had to go on. We should have been on break about a minute ago. I don't know if we. Oh, so let's go right on break that. and try and yeah. reconnect and we'll James reconnect and Nancy. Everybody. Yeah. Okay, so let's go. Okay, so here here we go. Okay, everybody, we're going to try to reconnect with James Swaggart because we're having a fascinating discussion about ancient oral tradition. I wonder how much of that he missed though at the end there. Like, well, how long let's has find been gone. So we're going to come back, ideally with James. Uh, We'll be back after these messages on Future Theater on the Dark Matter, Radio Network and PSN Radio. So stay with us. We'll be back in a... a phenomenon either we like it or not is already very much part of our reality i've been on panels with uh, military people who you know claim that they've seen the aliens buzzing our missile silos they have very large eyes you know i found their stare extremely difficult to bear 
This is Martin Willis, the host of Podcast UFO, and we are here on the Dark Matter Radio Network every Wednesday from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It is my commitment to bring you an entertaining weekly show that takes a hard look at the UFO phenomena. Are they extraterrestrial? Well, are they interdimensional? Are they time travelers or something we have not even thought of yet? We explore these questions with interesting guests and witnesses from all around the globe. In addition, we bring you weekly UFO news with Open Minds TV, Alejandro Rojas. Thank you for listening, and remember, keep your eyes to the sky. Here's a riddle for you. What do the California gold rush of the 1850s, secret societies, coded messages, mysterious 19th century flying machines, and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A.A. Delshaw all have in common? The Secrets of Delshaw by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro. Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application, Mobile Talk Radio. Imagine having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. You'll be surprised how easy it is to use. So I think what's going on here is that Obama is banking on unemployment falling. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week. TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Hi, this is Solaris Blue Raven with Hyperspace on Dark Matter Radio. Tune in on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for an intriguing show pertaining to covert technology, UFOs, paranormal, mysticism, and spirituality. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction. Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet.
And we're back. Technical difficulties and all on Future Theater on the Dark Matter Radio Network. Um, we're hoping to and, reconnect with and, our guest, James Staggert. And PSN and, Radio, ah, excuse me. Thank you. On thank PSN you. Radio. And we are hoping to, con- to reconnect with our guest, uh, James Swaggart. We're having a lively discussion. I, I, we wanted to find out more about the documentaries he was doing and um, right. his upcoming travels to um, all across Europe. Well, did so, he start to tell you when I was off about the documentaries? He started to talk about it, uh, that he was um, going to explore various megalithic sites. And we wanted to get into more of that. Um, yeah, because, um, you know, he's written several. Let's just see here. Let, let me give some some PR while we're trying to reconnect. A, he's written a few. He's written a few. Yes, he's written a few. Yeah. But it's more, I think... It's lately he's been traveling a lot, and so that's I was hoping we could get filled in on that. Right. Yeah. He's been he's I mean, been traveling a lot and doing a lot of radio too for the last few months. Yeah. I mean, my goodness, he's not only his show, but uh, he does other shows like this. For example, his interview. Uh, he's he's just been all over the place. Very busy guy. Well, have you seen his guest list on um, Capricorn Radio? It's quite a oh yeah. yeah yeah he gets just about the cream of the crop. I mean, he yeah. gets some of the best guests in. in the genre or this field or whatever. The person you're trying to reach is not Uh-oh. available. Please leave a message after the beep. That would okay. be Capricorn Radio. That's that Capricorn be. Radio, okay. Yeah. Okay, well, James... Apparently, he is not there. I don't know what... Ha- I mean, I can only tell you when, when, um, when, I, when I clicked off, I was falling off my chair talking about something. Um, I'm on a very old MacBook Pro. And it's one of the big old ones, and it's 17 inches, you know, uh, screen. So it's a big one, and I, you know, I've had it for years. And its battery is gone. So if the plug comes out, mm, yeah, it's done. Uh, it simply yep. snaps off. And I, I had so many programs opened, so that was the that was. You know, the happened. batteries for those things are probably pretty cheap on Amazon. Uh, maybe, maybe I'd have to take it in, and then I'd have to be without it. It would, you know. Be hard. Oh, that, that's right. I'm sorry. You can't just open it up and remove the battery easily. You have to. No, no. You used to be able it. to. Yeah. And those pesky Apple products. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I forget. Sorry. Yeah. Well, not very user friendly. Um. So yeah. So I guess we should give out the telephone number. Um. Why don't we do that? Since we don't have, and I should know it, shouldn't I? Oh Jesus! A year, you know, yeah, a year he, and a half later, you should yes. Well, here's the thing: everything I'm I'm reopening everything. That's why I'm kind of like half and half because everything's gone. I'll find the phone number. I well, here I'll tell the audience. If anybody Go wants ahead, to call Angel, in, tell the and, audience. Uh, if you want to join in and join in on the conversation on the Future Theater, please call in seven eight six two four five eight one two seven. That's east, west, north, and south of the Rockies, wherever you may be. Can you say that again so I can write it down? So it's I'll seven. Say, I'll six, say I'll say it slow, slowly. Here you go. Write it down. Seven eight six okay. two four five three one two seven eight one two seven. I'm sorry. Eight one two seven. And as they say on the radio, the phone lines are open. Yeah. See, I so I Wide muted. Open. I muted myself uh, while I was typing because I get yelled at if I don't and that's why yes. I wasn't able to yeah so so it's seven eight six two four five eight one two seven correct that is correct yeah so there you go so folks so, folks open should lines. call in yeah um, particularly Flip James Swagger um, that'd be great we got a very angry tweet 
and I feel really bad because the person thinks that James just left because we, we started that crazy argument um, on top of him. Now, I don't know whether he's sensitive that way. I hope not. I think of him as a guy you can sit around with and just, you know, you know, I, I think of him as an. Oh, Irishman. I don't. I don't think that's. I don't think that's the case. I mean, me and him have uh, done shows before, and we usually get pretty silly. So you know. I well, that's what that's I'm saying, case. and I've been. I've been up with. I've been up at night with you guys, uh, when when James just comes on and just hangs around and talks for a bit, and so I where I was going with the why are Irishmen all drinkers? I mean, I say that ever so sincerely. It's almost as if the race. As if their brains are too big to. Yeah, but here, here's the thing, Nancy. That's a, like a weird stereotype because you can use that same stereotype for Mexicans, for Cubans, for Puerto Ricans, for just about every guy. Because guess what? All guys are drinkers. Period. Well, that's the thing. That's what guys do, Nancy. We drink. But but when Native, when Native Americans were introduced to fire water, whatever they called it, they took to it sadly as if um, it was sort of. Um, as though they well, were look, look at that, Nancy. Hold on, Nancy. Hold on. We have a caller. 717, you're live on Future Theater. This is Lou Sheehan. I have a Hi, cough, Lou. So How are you? On Fine. I hope you're all well. I have a cough, so bear with me. Sure. A couple, uh, several quick points. I had to take my Apple in a week ago, and the uh, repairs have been delayed. So, Nancy, be careful about taking yours in to be repaired. Wow. Because doing without your computer for a week is just is just devastating. Yeah. Um, and I have to agree with the oral oral tradition. It is a very sacred, almost rigid sort of uh, memory passage. I don't think it's quite the telephone game. But and if it's okay, <laughs> what I want to know is, have you guys seen, and actually, Bill, Caesarian was Julius Caesar's son, not Augustus Caesar's son. I didn't want to be a finally, jerk about it. I didn't want to be a jerk about it, but, you know... It, Julius Caesar's son, dude. Um, but anyway, in fact, you know, in really, fact, like, even early, even early Christianity. Oh, right, was right. Oral. Okay, because in, in fact, because, in, because in, Julius Caesar had an affair with Cleopatra, with Cleopatra right. before right. Mark Anthony. That's and right. in fact, in That's fact, right. if you go to the right. timeline of uh, of Caesar's Caesarian, it fits in with the same storyline as Jesus, which. As far as I'm concerned, that's the person who they base Jesus after. And go watch the movie The uh, The Ring of Power if you don't believe me. They connect all the dots right for you. Caesar should say I want to call Jesus. in. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I want to call in. I want to ask the two of you, or all three of you for that matter, what do you think of the Roswell slide? I realize this is not a question about ancient Irish history. They well, have you guys me. had a chance? Who yeah, wants to go first? Me. They bother me a oh, lot. Go ahead. Go ahead. You guys talk. and I'll, I'll tell you. No, I'll, I'll tell you why. All the eyewitnesses that I've spoken to from Roswell, like Frankie Rowe and um, um, a Black Mac, uh, a Black Mac, um, Marion McGuire, all those people. I, I have McGuire on my brain because I'm doing the Mickey Rooney book. But um, all those people have described the Roswell alien as flesh-colored, and uh, one person, uh, Alpha Boyd's father, who saw this thing uh, at the hangar when they were bringing these thing, uh, it back, he said that it reminded him of an insect called the child of the earth. And it's a really weird insect that they're like native in the southwest. It's got a flesh. Co- it looks almost human. It's got a human head. It's really weird. Uh, but it's an insect. And um, so they've all described this thing as looked vaguely human but the scariest part about it was you knew that it wasn't human Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. this 
slide is nothing like the descriptions that I've gotten from people who saw this thing literally face to face. I mean, Frankie mm -hmm. Rose saw this. Frankie Rose's father described it. Um, other people described it. So that's what bothers me about, that's the main thing that bothers me about this slide. Also, the way it was promoted, but you know, um, you don't argue with somebody doing promotion. You argue with the fact that it doesn't look like the way it's been described. Well, you're talking about the slides, right? Mm -hmm. The slide, yeah, yeah the so-called Roswell slide. Right, I think they're they're as real as the alien autopsy from the well, '90s. Uh, two or so, two or so <laughs> there, weeks ago. That's what I think. Well, when I when I talked about this on uh, Skywatchers last week, uh, already the Black Vault guy, uh, John Greenwald, had had mm -hmm. basically done his homework, and 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 then lots of people followed suit, and they found that they were able to. Um, Kind of back engineer de blur the fakely blur they, they were blurred slides by by mm -hmm. by um, design, but here's what I wanted to say about it to all the people who are in the UFO field or the people who want to be interested in this field. If somebody's asking you for money before they tell you something or show you something, hello, that's that's a clue. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a red that's flag a right there. Yeah, really bad clue. You know, what do you think this does to pardon me, Terry and, and Schmidt? Reputation and their books. Uh, it, uh, well, the thing, well, well didn't already Don Schmidt issue uh, an apology online? I forget how or who or what. Last night I there was, was someone who done. God, there was someone who put out a, a statement saying that we had experts look at the try to interpret the little sign next to the creature, and it was not decipherable. And we had other experts look and say that this is not the body of a human. And so forth. Now, I think that was Carrie who put that out. Well, now, so last I'm, not, I'm night, not pretending to be up to date. Okay, good. Yeah, last night good. on uh, a different radio show, uh, Mark Allen was on, and he's the head of Above Top Secret, that, that particular uh, very large forum thing. I don't go there because, you know, ever since UFO Hunters, it's not a friendly place for us. But he oh. said that... Um, his some of his they formed a team as they are one to do, and they were on they were able to use a particular bit of software to unblur the photos. That's important. Right. There's a sort of a NASA level piece of software that you could use, and uh, found that you know they were intentionally uh, blurred. And and the big thing is the oh, ladies, uh, Mrs. Ray is the wife of the man who took all the slides, and she you could see her standing in the. Sort of the oh, frame. Oh, okay. okay. Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's okay. not a man in Bermuda shorts. It's a lady in an no. A-line dress. He was a lady. Yeah. I saw that part, but I didn't know. Yeah. Was but yeah. Go ahead. Interesting. And so the and so the bona fides of these slides, I think, kind of um, charmed everybody at first. You know, a rich guy who's able to travel around and take lots of early color slides. You know, and of course he would take. A picture of an alien if he saw one and he basically took a picture it wasn't the smithsonian but it was a good uh regional museum of some kind that had this child uh who had been made into a mummy you know um i don't think it was it could have been an egyptian mummy i don't know but it was simply a child and and um but everybody knew that if 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 you have to form a corporation to get the word out, something's really wrong. You're, okay. It's showbiz. I'm not, I'm not arguing. So what do you think this does to, uh, like, does, how much does it taint Schmidt and Kerry's previous work? Oh, Are they just um, Schmidt, Schmidt's supposed to... Looking through... 
with Don Schmidt, this is this would be strike number two. He would say yeah. uh, he apologized before and he apologized uh, again, and I think people are willing to say, you know, you know, he was not given the real stuff. He didn't know what to expect. Something who knows. Um, Paul Kimball right now is going crazy, uh, going after um, not Kevin Randall, but no, he's uh, going after Richard uh, Richard Dolan. Richard Dolan, Richard Dolan. right? Oh, because really? Interesting. Dolan, yeah, Dolan participated in the show, the Jaime Muzan mm. show, so forth mm. and so on. So you know what it does for ufology is it shows there's this great hunger to 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 figure stuff out, um, and I think I don't know who would pay twenty dollars. You know, because if it's real, it's got to be laid out there. It's got to be, you know, kicked around by everybody if it's real. It just seems like this, you know, what, what Mark Allen was saying um, last night was that let the UFO community uh, go at it. They're good at that. You know, if there's, right. if there's, <laughs> seriously, I mean, look, look at, look at. I believe you. No, no. Yeah, I, and I think you're, you know. worst enemies, so to speak. Well, no, yeah. I think it's just that we're our own best friends because if well, you okay, big feel. Critics. Yeah. But see, the thing is, if you feel that Bill's saying something wrong, it drives you crazy until you can figure out, are you wrong or is Bill wrong? <laughs> and it's a, that's the way to be. And I apologize to, uh, for, you know, to James. Uh, I, I'm missing James in this conversation. I hope he's not mad. Um, mm. a very, a, a, an angry guy on the Twitter deck thinks that James might be mad. Somebody named Len. I don't know. By yeah. the way, I'm of Irish descent, and, you know, no. I'm not. I wasn't offended by what you said because, unfortunately, my limited observation comports with your, you know, rough stereotype. I yeah. have, you know, the Irish side of my Somebody's family. Somebody's making a lot of noise right there, also. By the way, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh. Well, at any rate, I, I I hate to be so crude and crass, but unfortunately, the Irish. I'm mixed of many things, but my Irish side has drinking issues. To the person and woman, you know, to the man it and just woman, happens, which is, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Well, um, where yeah, well, so, so happy uh, okay, not so shared he, by me, but well, um, no. Here, here's a quick story. So, I'm good friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was working with the DEA a thousand years ago, we were good friends with the assistant special agent in charge of uh, the San Diego office of the DEA, and I was working with him. I was doing training in banks on know your customer for anti money laundering operations, and he told us this really funny story that a family member of his, he's an Irish guy from the Bronx, that a family member of his had married uh, a Jewish girl. And he said, so he went to the wedding. And he said the thing that struck him was that all the Jewish family members were over at the Chinese food buffet and all the Irish family members were at the bar and none of the family members mingled. <laughs> well, yeah, but, you know, but what can I say? Yeah, yeah the reason... Uh, you know, I, but the reason I brought it up was to suggest to, I mean, since we were kind of blue skying, you know, who are, who, who are our ancestors? Are they human? Are they gods? Are they giants? And I was going to suggest that maybe the bigger Irish brain, where James was saying, maybe the bigger Irish brain was a threat to some of these groups coming in. And so you give them something that they're almost allergic to, that they take to, that they don't normally use, maybe. And that's how a race maybe is taken care of. I'm just. I, was, all I can say is my, my population pool is limited that I've observed, but I certainly have observed. And yeah. I'm not happy about that. Yeah. I'm happy. It's not something that is. I don't drink. I have no desire to, thank God. I, I can't even. You know, um, 
But my father and his mother and so forth, they had issues. Yeah. So, whatever. Yeah. Um, my, fa- my father as well. So I come from, I come from it uh, very intimately. And um, uh-huh. right. there is a lot of heartache. But, but the Irish guys that I've known all, all my whole life have been the most fun guys. And so I hope, <laughs> hope that James well, was... Except the, Jew, except the Jew here and there, right? Except the Jewish guy here and there. <laughs> the Jewish guys are sticks uh, in the muds. They are not party uh, guys. <laughs> Sorry, but they're not. Well, you weren't supposed yeah. to say that. Um, how about, how about the right, Jubans? Okay, I, no. Uh, which? Oh, the Jubans. They might Jubans. be. They might be a touch of party, but I don't know. <laughs> Since we're stereotyping. Well, I'm just concerned that Carrie and Schmidt were con- considered experts in this area, and now yes. have them affiliated with well, something Carrie, like this. Well, Carrie, see, as of last night, Carrie was still. They say um, supporting this, but but he's such a great guy. And such a good researcher and a hard, hard, hard worker. Um, the guys that are the problem in this whole picture is the, fun, the, the, the guy named Now or something, the Dow or something, the oddly named guy who started this whole thing. We've never heard of him before. Uh, forget, forget his name. If you see it, you'll know it. And um, Anthony Brigalia. Brigalia, yeah. I know Brigalia, that yeah. And they've kind of run off, is basically what everybody's saying, leaving uh, Dolan and Carrie and Schmidt. And I think Kevin Randall stepped away early, is what it looked like. So, I think but my, my, my intention is, you know, as soon as the Art Bell thing kind of gets on its feet and we're, we stop fussing, and I, you know, uh, my intention is to have each and every one of those guys on, maybe at the same time, maybe following each other. You know, I like them all. Mm-hmm. And really would like to hear what they have to say. So I'm going to do that for sure, you know. Right. Um, I haven't had my computer for weeks. I'm even more out of it than I have been. I literally, well, what, I took my computer in, and every day they tell me next day, next day. So what kind wary. of computer? What What did you take in? I have, an, I have literally a 17-inch 17 Mac, 17 MacBook Pro that's years old. That's mine. My, um, that's I mine. know. And ah. it's been gone now for a week. Um so I'm actually, well, see, that, okay. that's well, going to make I, you... I had more than my share of time, but uh, thanks for just to Just to not get paranoid, there's been a couple things on the Internet that I've seen. One is um, a picture of a uh, battery coming out of a telephone, you know, any phone. Uh, if you pierce it just right with a knife or when it's out of the phone, it will explode into a humongous thing. That's number one. Number two, the new MacBooks, the new MacBook Airs and all those... The battery, the the computer itself is only the size of a business card. The rest of the whole thing is battery. Wow. So, and the battery on my... By the way, my my battery is also getting, I don't know what the word would be, but it doesn't last very long anymore either. That's Um, what happens. Yours doesn't last at all, apparently. Well, what happens is if... if Right, and the plug falls out easily, as you know, it's magnetized. And so if it falls out and you don't notice it and it goes past the 70% in my case... It goes off, and I have to start all over again. But uh, we're out of time, and okay, I think thanks for your time. Yeah, so so thanks for calling and saving us, Lou. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Lou. We appreciate it. Uh, I really appreciate I'll see it. See you next week. Okay, okay. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you very good night, much. Okay. Good night, Lou. Good night, Lou. Thanks, buddy. Good night, Lou. Hey, Lou. Hey, Lou. Take yeah. a look. Uh, yeah. If you call next week, before we go, take a look at the SCOTUS blog, because um, the Supreme Court today issued a decision on uh, San Francisco versus Sheehan. Not, it's not ironic, but it is the case 
under the Americans with Disability Act Article 2 about do police as state actors have to give special accommodations to the mentally ill if the mentally ill are violent? The decision is up on SCOTUS blog. We can talk about it sometime. Yeah, you know, I actually had some familiarity with that. I remember the uh, underlying fact pattern. Ironically, uh, Attorney Sheehan will be on tomorrow night on Dr. J's show. I have some questions ah. for him as well. Oh, Dan Sheehan's um, going to be on? Oh, good. Ah. Yeah, yeah. And I'll, you'll be hearing me tomorrow night. Okay, nice. good. I have okay. plenty of questions for him. All right, well, good okay. night. Nice okay, thanks, Lou. We're taking Bye. off. Okay, so from uh, your co-host, Bill, that's me, and Nancy. That's her. Uh, that's me. Burns, and with, apo- <laughs> and with apologies to James Swaggart, um, if you're mad at me, I'm sorry. With apologies to James Swaggart. He's probably mad at me, but that's what, you know. We no, are it's be well, later. your co-host at Future probably. Theater Live on the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN Radio from the banks of uh, Primrose Creek and Sobrey Village, wishing everybody a very happy week, big, uh, warm weather, lusciousness, and we will see you all next week. <laughs>